Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob Barr. I'm here with Brian with Love Life, and we're going to talk about his group's mission to activate the church in order to get involved on the sidewalks and post-abortion care and helping, helping women find hope and restoration from the harms of abortion. So, so Brian, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. We, would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a small group of pregnancy clinic leadership teams and executive directors? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Brian Ottinger. I am the uh, National Director for Expansion with a ministry that's headquartered here in Charlotte, North Carolina called Love Life. And Love Life's uh, mission is to unite and mobilize the church to help bring an end to the orphan and the abortion crisis. And um, the way that we do that is we mobilize churches. Um, we activate them by adopting a week. We have a 40-week journey of hope. And basically what we're asking pastors to do is to adopt a week and to preach on the issue of life on Sunday and to get their church to be all in for that adoption week. So on Sunday, they hear the tragic truth of abortion and the reality of what's going on in their city and across our nation. And they get to hear the solution in Jesus Christ and the hope in the gospel. And then on Wednesday, we ask the church to corporately pray and fast uh, for uh, the abortion situation in their city, whether it's for moms or abortion workers, um, you know, sidewalk ministries, pregnancy care centers, all the above, really. Uh, so they're here on Sunday. On Wednesday, they pray. On Saturday, they go. And so we invite the, uh, the church to come out corporately to the abortion center, and we ask them to uh, come and see for themselves um, the issue of abortion. So it takes it from being a th theoretical um, social media um, talking point or uh, something they vote on every four years. It becomes a reality. Uh, there's 700 abortion centers in America currently, and uh, pretty much any city you live in, there's there's an abortion center nearby. Um, and then beyond the prayer walk, we ask them to connect. Um, we have four connection pieces. Um, no particular order, post-abortive care. We know that one in four people uh, in America, including those in the church, have a history with abortion. And so we want to off offer uh, post-abortive counseling, healing, uh, biblical studies so that the gospel can uh, bear witness on that area of their life. I myself am actually a post-abortive father. And so this is a, a you know particular side of the ministry that's near and dear to me. Um, next, we have uh, sidewalk counselors, uh, people who offer the hope of Jesus and the help of the church. Uh, so we have people who've been um, on staff here at Love Life uh, for a couple of years, but they've got over 20 plus years experience of interceding outside the abortion centers uh, to these moms and dads offering uh, the hope of the gospel. And so we want to train people how to do that in a way that's uh, truthful and loving. Um, then we also, you know, as you know, we get accused oftentimes of being uh, pro-life as pro-birth we don't care about children outside the womb or so we're accused of. And so we want to help equip the church, those who have been adopted by God the Father, uh, to get in the business and practice of adopting children outside the womb. And then um, the last thing is mentor and discipleship. Really, this is the crux of our ministry is, you know, Jesus has commanded us in the Great Commission to make disciples. And so if a mom or dad chooses life or even those that don't choose life uh, decide they uh, want to be discipled or mentored, we would plug them into a local church where they can be exposed to the family of God. And so uh, we know that um, 
you know, there's some complexity around the issue of abortion. So we want to make sure that we help train and equip pastors and churches um, to help really love these moms and meet them where they're at. And so those are the four pieces of connections. And that's really based out of the book of Nehemiah chapters one through three. Um, you notice that uh, Nehemiah hears uh, the problem that the walls are crumbling down and and he does something that is unlike me. I'm the kind of guy when I hear there's a problem, I just instantly want to go in and solve it. Uh, but Nehemiah hears what happens and then he takes time to pause and fast and pray. And then he goes to the city walls for himself. He sees it. Then he starts to connect um, the people of God to help rebuild the walls. And that's really what um, God laid on um, the heart of our founder, Justin Reeder. Uh, he was brought to an abortion center and he was confronted with the reality of abortion. We live in Charlotte, which is considered uh, the city of churches. There's supposedly a church on every corner. Um, I would say maybe the landscape's changed in the past couple of years. There's uh, a lot of people influxing to Charlotte and uh, we're not quite the city of churches anymore. But nevertheless, uh, Justin was met with the reality of abortion in our city and uh, God laid it on his heart as he was reading through Nehemiah that this is the strategy, hear, pray, go, connect. And so as pastors adopt this week, um, they'll come and bring their people out here. Their people get connected uh, beyond the prayer walk uh, to these other ministries. And it's really helped create a culture of love and life in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we have over 200 partnering churches and ministries that have adopted this week. And so on week 40, it's really an amazing thing. I don't know if your people can check, check it out, but lovelife.org, you'll see some pictures of uh, week 40 when all the churches come back together. There's literally thousands of people standing outside of the abortion center where the gospel will be proclaimed and there's a worship service and there's prayer and there's testimonies of babies who've been saved, abortion workers who left the industry, pregnancy care centers, partnered with churches, partnered with sidewalk ministries. It's a beautiful thing to really see the body of Christ united in that way. And um, I know you're going to ask me more questions, but I'm going to try to give you a lot yeah, right now. So no worries. That way it can give you more of a, uh, you know, holistic understanding of what we do. So, so Love Life didn't um, intend to do anything outside of Charlotte. It just was a ministry that God uh, put on Justin's heart. I was a partnering pastor. Uh, my church was uh, heavily involved. Um, I helped pastor a church plant here in the city called Convergence Church. And it was a blessing to me and our congregation. We were discipling moms. We, our people were coming out. We got a lot of youth in our church. Uh, they were really getting involved, um, which is a really cool thing, too, as a pastor to see your youth get activated. Uh, but eventually I came on board in 2020 uh, as a response to really um, COVID. You know, COVID was, uh, it was a bad thing for many people. And if I could use the words that it was good for us, in essence, uh, um, you know, as abortion was considered essential, the church was not. And so we had people in our city that still mm. wanted to come out and be the hands and feet of Jesus during COVID. And um, we had some pastors in Charlotte that came out to the abortion center here in Charlotte. The, the abortion center in Charlotte is on a street called Latrobe Drive, and it's actually the, the busiest abortion center on the East Coast. Wow. Uh, we have more abortions happening here at this abortion center. Um, it was 250, and since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it's about 450 a week at, at this one building. And they don't do you know, any kind of other services other than abortion, so we know that every car that goes in there, uh, the mom is going for an abortion. So anyways, um, you know, that's really why the ministry started was for this one abortion center. But when these pastors came out during COVID, they got arrested and they got arrested just for being outside, praying, offering the hope of the gospel uh, during the mm. lockdown. And so and what happened they, was, 
Were they on public space or were they like in the yeah, private? Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, public sidewalk. They huh. were social distance. They, they even had some hand sanitizer out there. And uh, it was really, um, and the charges have been dropped and everything like that. But it was it was kind of a, a charade, if you will. But what was what happened, though, is um, I think it was one of the senators in Texas retweeted um, showing the, you know, hey, where is these people's amendment rights and, and, and what happened to free speech and and all that. And, and what happened is we kind of went viral. And so people all across the nation started reaching out to us here in Charlotte saying we'd love to bring love life to our city. And um, then I got hired uh, basically to help. Uh, steward and um, vet and train and equip and develop people across the nation to what we call Love Life America. So we went from one city uh, to 14 cities. And honestly, there's probably about 14 more that we could launch, but we really want to make sure that we're launching our cities well. We have city directors, uh, we have sidewalk directors. We, our, our, our model is based upon a business owner. So Justin, Justin Reeder was a franchise business owner and he um, he understood the, the, the biblical principles of business and applied them to this ministry. And so it's really quite organized and very effective. Um, and it's really unlike anything I've even seen in my own church in terms of uh, developing people and, and the processes and making sure that there's a good outcome and a good experience for our prayer walks and for our training process and training and developing people. So that's, that's a long answer to a short question. Sure, no worries. Um, but I just want to give you more of an insight on what we do. So when I, yeah, so I've got a couple of questions as you ex sort of gave me like the nutshell or the summary of Love Life in your group. But before I go through some of the Love Life sections, sure. um, will you will you share your story of like how did God pull you into the pro life work? Like, what's, oh, the, what's the back what's the what's the backstory uh, for for you and your journey to get to where you are now? Yeah, really, thank you for, uh, thanks for having me and thanks for asking that question. Um, I'm currently 44, so in 2010, I was 32, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up uh, around, you know, even basic Bible stories, didn't really have knowledge of that stuff. Even though I grew up in the South, I was in the military for 10 years, but I didn't really have uh, any kind of biblical understanding of who Jesus was or the gospel. And so in 2010, at the age of 32, I kind of hit an all-time low in my life. Um, I was, I tell people all the time, I was a zealous sinner. I was very uh, passionate about, um, you know, entertainment and uh, medication as far as alcohol and narcotics and traveling the world, anything that would um, kind of, you know, give you any sort of temporal high. That was what I was chasing after. And um, eventually, like any other, you know, non-Jesus fulfillment, it doesn't fulfill it leads you to a pit of despair. And I was at the point of basically crying out to, um, you know, friends and family and just, just in my misery saying, I wish, you know, I wish I was dead. I mean, that's where I was. I, I wish that I wish I didn't really wish much more of my life would, would go on. And, uh, by God's grace, a friend of mine shared the life-changing news that, um, you know, this world and anything I could possibly produce and of myself would, would not offer any true hope. Uh, but that Jesus Christ came to die for my sin, that he came to live the life I couldn't live and die the death I deserved. He was buried and rose from the grave three days later, defeating death, sin, and shame. And by trusting in him, I could be forgiven and set free. And And he shared this news with me. And I was like, hey, man, cool story, bro. And uh, 
you know, didn't really think much of it until the Lord, you know, just supernaturally kind of rubbed my face in my sin and showed mm-hmm. me that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And God was so gracious and kind uh, to reveal himself to me. And, and, and um, he saved me August 30, 2010. And instantaneously, I was went from living this life to now living this other life. And by God's grace, he took away all the obvious sins. Uh, I gave up, you know, all the the, the, the bad sin, the easy stuff that, uh, not easy stuff, but the easy stuff to identify. Um, and he gave me a new heart and he gave me a new desire to follow after him. So I became uh, very passionate about evangelism and uh, sharing the gospel with people. I got plugged into a, a church where I've been discipled and um, I was discipled by a guy who told me it was okay to share the gospel with people. Um, and uh, so we'd go out and share the gospel and do things like that. And then um, I kind of got a little bit of a reputation at my city for being someone who's, you know, evangelistic. And I got connected with another friend named Adam. And he said, hey, we should go outside the abortion center and share the gospel there. And and I'm thinking to myself, uh, man, that's crazy. Like, why would I ever want to go there? And, um, you know, I, I, I declined his first invitation. And then he invited me again a couple months later. And um, I took my wife with me at the time who was pregnant with our fourth son, Lucas. Um, I'm married to Carolina and uh, we have five boys. And uh, my fourth son, Lucas, was was in utero. And I remember going to the abortion center here in Charlotte and thinking to myself, yeah, I'll go out there. We're going to share the gospel. I heard babies get saved and, and people could get saved and all that. And when I get there, he kind of puts me down near um, the driveway and he puts my wife up near where the microphone is. And at this point, I'm the zealous evangelist. She's kind of the more timid, quieter one, you know, especially compared to me. Next thing you know, I hear her on the mic and she's speaking Spanish uh, to a couple. And she's, you know, habla, 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 you know, she's speaking Spanish. And this family comes out and talks to her and chooses life that day for their child. And I was just blown away, like, oh, man, like, I didn't see that coming. And it was beautiful, you know, that she was pointing to her stomach and this particular family she was talking to had three children and we had three children at the time. And so there was all this stuff going on and um, it was just a powerful moment. And I would just tell you, I I understood that an abortion center was a place that you could, you know, do do ministry, but I didn't I didn't really value it as the place. Um, And then um, I had come out maybe once or twice a year. That was in 2013. And then in 2016, um, God had called me to help plant the church that I'm still a pastor of now, Convergence Church. And guys were coming um, to the Love Life Prayer Walks. And when you come to a Love Life Prayer Walk, you get a, a, a really pretty blue shirt. I wish I had some pictures around here. Um, they're in the office. Um, no but, worries. They're on the yeah, website, this, too. I've seen them on the Love yeah. Life site. Yeah. Yeah. So you get this blue shirt and they were coming to church and talking about Love Life and these prayer walks. And they were like, hey, Pastor, you need to come. And I was like, no, nah, man, like, I, I don't know. It just seemed very skeptical. I've never seen anything um, you know, pro-life or anti-abortion that was like cleaned up and, you know, that was marketed so well. Um, and so I was very skeptical. And then eventually I came out, uh, to the week 40 prayer walk. That's when all the churches come back together. So I came to week, to year one in week 40 and I brought my two older sons with me and two of the other pastors of our church. And we came out and I was still very skeptical, but my skepticism was met with legit credibility in terms of they called abortion what it was it was the sin 
It wasn't, they didn't, it wasn't, they didn't try to water it down. It, they called it murder. It was a sin. So that checked that box. I was like, wow, these guys are biblical in that regard. They said, this is about the local church and pastors taking ownership of the city. This is the church's responsibility. And as a pastor who's planning a church, that checked the next box. Um, I saw sidewalk guys who I knew who were faithful on stage being honored. And that was like, wow, I couldn't believe that. That was really cool. And then the next box that got checked for me was um, that it was about the gospel. It was about, it wasn't just about saving babies. Praise God, babies get saved. But it was about building the kingdom of God. And that was like, wow, that was really cool. And then the next box that got checked, I didn't even know it was a box that needed to be checked. But my oldest son was with me that day and he, he, and he looked at me as he's, we're hearing all this stuff go on. He kind of looks at me and said, hey, dad, have you ever had an abortion in your past? And, you know, I've told this story a thousand times, the first 150, I couldn't tell without tears in my eyes. But um, mm. I looked at him and I just broke down and started weeping. And at the time he was 13, he's actually 18 now. He's, he's in actually the, my two oldest sons are in boot camp as we speak in Navy in the Navy. But um, so I just start weeping. He grabs me, he's weeping. And I'm, and I'm trying to like process in my mind what's going on. And what I realized was, you know, theologically I understood that Jesus had removed my sin as far as the East is from the West. I understood that I was justified, justified declared righteous by faith through grace alone and Christ alone and all the wonderful you know, theological points of the Bible, but I had a part of my heart that was still broken and needed to be restored. And so it wasn't until I come to the, to the prayer walk and I learned about uh, the forgiveness of uh, Christ through abortion or, or in abortion through this message being proclaimed from the stage where I started to receive healing and ended up getting plugged into one of those, uh, you know, biblical studies I was telling you about and that's really what led me on the path to want to get more involved with Love Life. Uh, I'll tell you, Love Life has just done a tremendous job of teaching me to honor pastors. I was a pastor who was being honored. So the next year they did a kickoff where they were inviting all the pastors in the city to come. They did it at a place called Chima. I don't know if you know what Chima is. It's a Brazilian steakhouse where it's one of those, you got a green card, a red card. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah, they amazing. come bring yeah, and I'm literally, so I'm at this thing, I'm like, these guys are getting ready to talk about abortion center ministry, and and we're at a steakhouse, like, this is just weird, but what it was, was, what I realized was, yes, abortion was the issue that we were um, coming to confront, but it wasn't the main issue in terms of the main issue being, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the earth. And anywhere that darkness is, is because there's an absence of light. And so uh, David and Jason Benham, Justin Reeder, our founder, and Andre Gonzalez, the city director at the time, were, were just presenting this message of, hey, we're calling the church to be the church. We're calling the people who have the hope of the gospel and the help of the church to come alongside people who are lost, hurting, and going to murder their child and tell them, hey, not only don't do that, but we're going to walk with you. And so all of a sudden, this paradigm shift in my mind started happening. It was very attractive. And uh, our church was all in. We adopted, you know, our adoption week. We did a Youth for Life week. We came back for week 40. Like I said, a mom chose life. She started being discipled in our missional community. That Our church started being activated. My children, so at this point, we have five kids. We take them to the abortion center. And my kids would be the ones telling me that we need to pray for the babies. 
And so mm-hmm. it just began to impact my heart, my home, my community, my church. And I just saw the body of Christ, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Calvinists, the Arminians, the, the Black church, the White church, the Korean church, all these people at the abortion center saying, hey, we are going to unite around this issue. We may disagree on gifts of the spirit or eschatology or order salutis, but we do believe that you know abortion is a gospel issue. We're going to come together and link arms for this. And it was a beautiful thing. And so um, in 2020, when we started expanding, it was, it was a very easy decision for me to want to come on board and help with the expansion. And uh, now I help oversee New York City, uh, Detroit, Michigan, and Central Pennsylvania, as well as uh, anywhere there's a new work, I help to kind of vet, process, train, develop any new missionaries to eventually hopefully become on as city directors that will help us uh, thoroughly expand in their cities. Wow, awesome. And so while you were talking about sharing you know, your story with your, your yeah. son, uh, the verse uh, James 5.16 comes to mind where it says, uh, confess your sins one to another so mm. that you may be healed. And the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. And so like just that, you know, giving voice to sin is a way of providing, you know, finding that healing from it, from that damage that it provides. And along with that prayer, you know, prayer with another person who, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that I feel like churches, um, you know, need in this kind of space is like a confessional community where it, you know, becomes you know, it's it, you, we have a safe place to confess to one another in a way yeah. that can provide healing and can provide, you know, not just for, you know, the, you know, the, the damage done by the sin of abortion, but by, by, you know, any sin really. And, right. and the sin of abortion that can then be included in that confessional community. Um, yeah, amen. And, um, and the other, other verse that comes to mind, it's been coming up a, a lot lately this year for me is, uh, Hebrews 10, 24, where it says, um, let us consider one another that we may uh, spur or spur spur people towards love and good works or stir them yeah. up, stir up love and push them, you know, and bring them towards good works. And um, I sort of feel like that's, that's what the sidewalk counseling is doing. The, you know, the post-abortion counseling seems to be in that light. Yeah. Um, the the mentoring and discipleship is definitely you know you know that Hebrews ten twenty four seems to be a a guiding you know direction with you know with the Bible promoting these ideas that you're working on yeah um and so when it goes when it comes to the when it comes to the let's see so you have these different services within Love Life or these different areas or ministries mm-hmm. so the post abortion is does your group have like its own curriculum or are you partnering with one of the post-abortion uh weekend retreat groups or another post-abortion curriculum what's what's your approach on the post-abortion side yeah great question so we have a uh lady on um she's one of our best volunteers she probably does 30 40 hours a week uh she's also has abortion her pastor named stephanie reinhardt and I believe she's been with us since 2016, maybe 17. Um, but she is leading the way. And so as you can imagine, as we go into d- different churches, we have over, I think over six or 700 partnering churches across America. As you go in and start talking about abortion, we always offer, you know, restored life as a way. So if you go to lovelife.org slash 
restored life. You can you can fill out an, an anonymous um, entry form. Well, she'll reach out to you. Um, we, we we make it anonymous because uh, sometimes people are afraid that their pastor will find out. Uh, sometimes it's pastors who are who are filling these forms out, and they just it's been such a secret for such a long time. They're not sure how to how to go on with it. So we make it anonymous in that way, and then we actually encourage people to you know let other people know. But because she's been doing this for so long, she has a variety of resources that she will use. We we don't try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, there's a lot of really really good um, post abortive curriculum out there. It used to be that it was primarily only geared towards women. And the past couple of years, there started to be some really good one, ones for men, um, okay. some for, uh, you know, as you're probably aware of different people who have participated in abortion. Some, sometimes there's a sister who will drive, you know, her sister to the abortion center. Now she's dealing with basically being an accomplice to that. And so there's, there's all kinds of very specific uh, post-abortive uh, studies and weekends, like you've mentioned, that uh, we will plug people into. Our main thing is it's, we want to make sure it's biblical that we're not, um, you know, we're not, uh, it's not me centered or we centered, but it's he centered, that it's focused on God. It's focused on Jesus Christ being the hero of the story. Um, and really he's the only one that can offer, you know, the forgiveness and the restoration that people truly need. So, uh, but the, yeah, there's so many that I could start naming, but uh, Stephanie, if anyone who's watching this, you know, wants to get plugged in any of those or or learn um, about those, you can go to restored life or lovelife.org slash restored life, or you can just reach out to Stephanie at lovelife.org. Okay. Awesome. And then when it comes to the, the sidewalk counseling, um, is that, is that a similar approach where you have someone on your team sort of like building the plan or are you partnering with like uh, one of the, one of the existing sidewalk, uh, sidewalk counseling uh, organizations? Yeah, great question. So when we when we first started uh, here in Charlotte with the prayer walks um, in 2016, there was already a ministry in existence called Cities for Life uh, that was run by Daniel Parks and Vicki uh, Kaysiorg, and they have been doing this since the early 2000s. I think Daniel dates back to 2005. Um, and so you can imagine that's like between the two of them, like 35 years of experience or whatever it is. And so they made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, if you've, have you ever been outside an abortion center? I have. Yeah. I've done some time out there and also, okay. and, and I, and I, there's definitely different approaches. Like there's yeah. the love approach, there's the hate approach and uh, there's the, a wide variety. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's, you know, prayer groups to support someone doing the, you know, the discussions. And so there's a, a lot of thought that can go into yeah. it in different, yeah. different ways of going about it. Yeah. So what I was going to say was these guys, uh, you know, we would say that uh, it's truth and love. And we would say that love without truth is not love. And that truth without love is not truth. Jesus Christ walked that very thin line of being 100 percent truthful and 100 percent loving. So, you know, along the way, I've been out there many times and it's it's you know, we have a lot of opposition here in Charlotte. People get in your face, ringing cowbells, you know calling you all kinds of names. And so it's, it's really easy to have that fist of the flesh start to rise up. And so because Daniel and Vicki have been doing this for so long, they just have a wealth of wisdom, you know, what to do and what not to do. Um, for us, our priority first and foremost is to honor the Lord Jesus. So we're God first, and then we're going to go to the baby. We're going to appeal to the mom that she's, she's pregnant. Her baby is a blessing from God. And then we're going to appeal to her motherhood. And then we'll try to reach the fathers. 
And, uh, and that's kind of the order for us. But uh, like I said, um, it's, I'm not, if, if Michael Jordan's on my team, I'm passing him the ball, you know, he, I'm going to let him take the shot. And so Daniel and Vicky are kind of like our Michael Jordans. We, we defer to them. Uh, so they were with cities for life. What we noticed in 2016, as we were doing the prayer walks was a lot of people were getting plugged in. And as we started to expand across the nation, um, we thought it would be wisdom to merge cities for life. So cities for life came up underneath love life. And now Daniel is the director of our sidewalk ministry. He also helps oversee um, the West coast, some of our West coast cities out there, uh, which is by the way, that our West coast stuff is blowing up. Um, the church out there on the West coast is really doing a great work. They are um, leading the way in a lot of ways with our new expansion efforts. But um, so Daniel, yeah, helps train. We have, and that's one thing I'll tell you, that's the cool difference with love life, especially I can kind of confess as a pastor, a lot of church planners and pastors, it's like, you know, we fly by the seat of our pants. We, we, we try to get as much stuff done as possible, but sometimes we lack in our processes and, and that can be confusing at times for people or it can kind of wear people out. And so at Love Life, we try to do a really good job of setting the expectation walking with people and pastors through the process and making sure that we're not moving too fast or we're not moving too slow, but we're walking alongside of them and uh, having a guy like Daniel on our staff to walk with our sidewalk folks. Um, we've seen, golly, I think 4,400 babies saved in the past six years, um, probably average about 20 a week, you know, uh, in all our 14 cities. And here in Charlotte alone, we just, I think there was three today. Wow. Um, and the reality is it's, and you say, how does that happen? A lot of people say, are you padding the stats? Or if someone flips you off, did you count that as like a sign that she chose life? No, we're not doing any of that stuff. We are, we have a team of sidewalk counselors out there every day the abortion center is open and they are calling out in love, in truth, offering the hope of the gospel, the help of the church, and so we have these moms who will hear what's being said. They'll come out and they're saying, hey, I was looking for a sign when I saw your shirt or I saw you out here or I heard what you said. I knew already that I shouldn't do this, but it was that you stood out here and said that you're willing to help me. And that's the difference is we're not just we're not just telling them what not to do. But we're saying, hey, you can't have this child. You, you can be a good mother. Let us help come alongside of you. We offer resources up to the moms up to two years. Of course, it's contingent upon, you know, her walking with us. We're not going to hunt people down. We're not going to, you know, stalk them or do anything like that. But if a mom is willing to receive help, man, we will we will walk with them the first two years, baby showers, doctor visits, uh, anything. We, we go above and beyond. But what happens is as you build that relationship out over that two years and she becomes part of a family. And then um, not to say it's like, you know, uh, hook, line, and sink or anything like that. But, you know, if you feel, if you feel welcomed and you feel loved, you're going to continue coming back. And that's what the church should be is a family that, that loves people uh, with the love of Christ, the words of Christ, you know, really fulfilling what I was talking about earlier, the Matthew 28 commandment, teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. So um, yeah, so that's the organization we, we partner with. We have training online, if anyone's watching uh, this that's more interested, they can go to lovelife.org slash America. And there's three connection points if you're in a city where we're not currently located and lovelife.org slash America. 
Uh, one is you can become a catalyst and help us bring love life to your city. The second is your church can sign up to become a house of refuge. Um, and these are basically sanctuary churches. So if a mom's looking for abortion, uh, sh hopefully she'll get redirected to your church and we teach your church how to walk alongside of her uh, as she makes a decision for life. And then the third is sidewalk ministry. And so we have on-demand training where people can come and uh, receive training. They don't have to officially be a partner with Love Life, but to teach them to start going out. It starts with prayer, then going out and then um, calling out and, and calling out to the moms and and we've seen it, you know, in places like Denver, Colorado, and you know, upstate uh, New York, upper, lower California, Washington, all kinds of cities are popping up all around the nation because God's people are just saying, hey, listen, we have a voice and uh, we have a message and it's a message of hope. It's a message of help. And we want to bring that to people who are hurting. And so it's just been a joy to be a part of. So. That's a little so, bit more. I know I'm. I know I'm rambling, oh, no, no. brother. I don't. Oh, no, I do good. not answer questions short. I should have warned you ahead of time. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, so when it when it comes to sidewalk canceling, so when someone does a confirmed, you know, U-turn, meaning they're, you know, they were going to the abortion clinic, but then they decided, you know, I'm going to take on this offering of hope. What is that? How do you, you know, what's that? Where does that go? Are you taking them to a pregnancy clinic to get an ultrasound, or are they? You, you mentioned that you might take them to a church to walk alongside them for two years. But how do you, like, how does that? What's that journey look like? So let's say they decide to do a U-turn and they they're walking back away from the abortion clinic. Where where do you guide them or walk with them next? So it's a great question, and um, I'll just tell you, every city is very different. Um, some of our cities we've been established for years, some of them we've just a couple months. But um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, we have um, an ultrasound unit that's outside of the abortion center. So what we found is if we can if we can get her to that that to see her baby on an ultrasound, it's like some crazy statistic that like 90% of them that see their baby will choose life. Yeah. So it's a super effective tool. Um, in some of our cities, you know, we're, they, the Planned Parenthood is on two of the busiest streets and there's no room for an ultrasound unit. So um, in that case, we would try to get them to a care center uh, where they could, you know, show them the baby. Um, but the reality is, as we do these prayer walks, you got to imagine, <clears throat> you know, in Charlotte, a couple thousand people from 200 different churches are coming to a prayer walk. Not everyone's called to be a sidewalk. Uh, counselor. Not everyone's called to be in, in adoption fostering. Um, but but so as these people come out, what we start to see is we're building up this database of mentors who are standing by. So we have over 200 mentors in Charlotte. So when a mom chooses life, um, we don't want to outsource the work primarily to a pregnancy care center because it's really the church's responsibility. You know, the pregnancy care center, just like Love Life, we are a parachurch, pro-church ministry, but the ministry of discipleship has been given to the church. And so how do you get someone saying, raising their hand, wanting to be a mentor? You get them to the abortion center where they see it, they experience it at the prayer walk, and then they say, yes, I, I can disciple, I can mentor. And so um, the hope for us, just like the Good Samaritan, uh, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan is that we don't just say, hey, when you see someone in the ditch, hey, just get them go to the inn, right? Or, or we're just going to give some money to the inn. But the guy takes him to the end and then he comes back and he keeps checking on him. There's this ongoing relationship. And so we believe that that's best done in the church. And so for us, if the pregnancy care center is available, 
we'll use them. If there's if there's housing, we'll use them. It's the body of Christ working together, but it's ultimately primarily the responsibility of the church. And so um, that's really our end goal is that these moms, and, and listen, some of them come and talk to us, they choose life, and they don't want any more help. And like I said, we're not going to hunt them down. We, we'll do our best to give them our information. They can reach back out to us. But many, uh, many, I think there's currently maybe close to 80 moms or something like that in Charlotte right now that are being discipled in churches. And we just even had um, an abortion worker. Uh, she quit last week and she's being, she said she wanted to be mentored and discipled in a church. And so um, it's, it's really amazing. It's really just, Justin says this all the time, our founder, he says, you can sum up the ministry of love life in one word, repentance. It's, it's, you know, and repentance, what is repentance doing the next right thing? So when we talk about our connection pieces or prayer walks, we're just trying to get the church to do what's right. I'm sure you've heard uh, the famous Francis Schaeffer quote that says every abortion center should have a sign on it that says open by permission of the local church. If, if the church, and I'm not bagging the church, I love the church, but, but in essence, the church has responded primarily to the issue of abortion in three ways. Apathy, anger, or absence. And we're trying to, we're trying to equip the church to be active, to be, re, to be repenting, to be loving these folks. As, as much as it depends on us to be the voice for the voiceless, to rescue those being led to the slaughter. And everybody can do something. Like, I'm the evangelist, and not everyone in my church has to go do what I do. But when I bring people into the church, there's many people, my wife especially, who has the gift of just hospitality and making people feel welcome. And so, you know, Scripture teaches over and over that when the body is working together, it really brings glory to Jesus, the head. So many different ways people can get involved. Yeah, and I've heard the the stat as well that you know eighty five percent when someone has an ultrasound experience, um, you know eighty five percent will end up choosing parenting or adoption, and and I think that's coupled with um, rapport, uh, you know, trust and care, and these other you know valuable things that come alongside with that ultrasound experience. Um, but when it comes to the some of the cities that you're working with. It sounds like you work with pregnancy clinics in some situations, but you're trying to primarily work with churches, you know, when the church is able or willing. So are you saying that some churches actually have like an ultrasound unit or a pregnancy type of clinic within their church to provide the ultrasounds or, or are the ultrasounds always being provided through a traditional pregnancy clinic? Yeah, I would say um, if I had to put a number on it, it's probably 80% through the care centers and 20% okay. through either individuals or churches. Um, I don't know if you've seen these things. I actually have one. I'm in my, I'm in my secretary's office right now. But sure. in our other room, we have this, uh, you can plug it into an iPad and you can do an ultrasound on the street. I don't know if you've ever seen these things. It's probably a couple of Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, if I had time, I would run and grab it for you. Maybe I could send you a link. So it's, it's probably not as good I mean, actually, I know it's not as good as as the legit ones that you see in the care centers or the um, the the RVs. But um, but yeah, those will happen. We've seen a church. There's a church here, Calvary Chapel, um, Lake Norman. And a couple of years ago, I mean, everyone considers themselves pro-life and 
you know, against abortion and all of that. But as I started coming to the prayer walks, the Lord laid it on the lead pastor's heart and said, hey, right next to our church, there's an old mental ward where it's basically an abandoned, um, almost looks like a dormitory. Let's buy that and let's convert that into housing so that moms who choose life can stay there for free. And we'll walk with them and disciple them and they can live there and give birth to their child, not to worry about, you know, homelessness or abusive situations. And, and so that's one example. Another example is uh, there's some churches who are doing this very well. Watermark Church in Dallas has a pregnancy care center in their church. They have where, where moms will come straight to their church. So it's primarily done uh, through care centers. And we're not trying to compete with care centers. We're not trying to outsource care centers. What we're trying to do is come alongside of care centers. We're trying to come alongside and really unite and connect the body of Christ, like, like how we work with Cities for Life. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. If you got a care center who is gospel-centered and, and they're building good rapport and they're um, you know loving these moms, um, and I'll send you a video. Actually, we just came out with a video um, from Riverside, California, where there was a care center that was next to Planned Parenthood. And some of our wonderful ladies uh, in that area have been doing sidewalk counseling. And they're saying they're seeing like three to five times as many moms choose life and come through their care center. Because what Love Life's trying to do is we're trying to say, hey, care centers are awesome. It's like the inn in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But someone's got to bring that person to that inn. Um, and we would even say that the church ultimately is the end. That's where, you know, they're going to receive the most care, but, but someone's got to bring them there. And so we've seen, you know, all of, mo not all of, probably 98% of our saves have come from sidewalk ministry. Um, ironically, we've seen um, really quick, crazy story was uh, there was a lady who came to the abortion center here. She was intercepted by one of our sidewalk counselors um, and she ended up, I think this particular lady ended up not choosing life, uh, for her child, but our sidewalk counselor started ministering to the Uber driver who brought her and he, and he gave the Uber driver a pamphlet. And that was like a few months ago, that Uber driver has like helped save like two or three babies lives as moms were scheduled there. And he's got these pamphlets and he's telling them like, Hey, you don't have to do this. And so God's using like Uber drivers and, and just weird circumstances. There was a, uh, it was a daughter of one of our pastors. She works at a hospital and a mom came in, was having a, a, a complete, a complication in her pregnancy. And she was actually, she took the abortion pill and there was a complication and the nurse hears about it. It's one of our partnering pastors who she's come to a prayer walk. And she, she starts ministering to this mom at the hospital. Like, hey, you don't have to do this. And she points them to our mentor program. And the lady chooses life. The baby survives the abortion pill. We have some things called abortion pill reversal. And, and the baby survived. And the baby, little baby Lamar was just born last week. And baby Lamar and his mother are now being discipled in a church. So primarily it will happen at an abortion center. But, but sometimes it happens in an Uber car or at a hospital. One last story I'll tell you. Um, is a few years ago, uh, a mom came from Greensboro to Charlotte, which is about an hour and a half. And she came to have an abortion, uh, I think it was back in 2019. And our sidewalk counselors were out there ministering to her and pleading with her to choose life and, you know, declaring and displaying the love of Jesus. And she ended up going through with her, her abortion. Sad story. 
Well, two years later, the same mom ends up pregnant again. But this time she wants to choose life. And she remembers in her mind, if I drive to Charlotte, I know that the church is going to be outside the abortion center. And I know that they're going to help me. And so she drives from Greensboro an hour and a half to Charlotte to the abortion center this time, not to have an abortion, but because she's looking for the church. And so she, she shows up and says, hey, I'm here to have my child and I need help. And instantly, man, they meet with her. They plug her into a church back in Greensboro and, and her baby is now uh, alive and well. And so really the key, what you're hearing here, hopefully, is that we're creating a culture where this issue that's super controversial and oftentimes taboo has led to apathy, you know, anger and absence. We're activating the church, the, 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 the church empowered by the spirit of God, uh, who has the, the light of God, the love of God, the gospel of God, and is bringing it to these folks. And we're starting to see uh, a small shift in our culture um, where men and women stop running to the abortion centers to, to murder their child. And in some cases, running to the abortion centers because they want to have their baby and they know the church is going to be there. But our ultimate goal is that they would run to the church. The pastors would talk about it. Uh, it would be, you know, a weird abortion is a weird thing, but that we would normalize. We would normalize it, not that it's normal, but that we would normalize speaking about it in such a way that whether it's someone in the congregation finds themselves in an unwanted pregnancy or one of their friends, and they would say, hey, you don't have to have an abortion. You can come to our church and we'll walk alongside of you. And really, it's just Christianity 101. It's faith and repentance. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do know that a lot of pregnancy clinics will often um, connect someone with a church you know, after they, you know, sort of, you know, meet, meet them where they're at and then helping them, you know, Absolutely. go along the next Absolutely. several steps of their journey. And, and I know that there's one clinic that's um, actually, you know, as part of that relationship building process, they've actually brought in, uh, they connected with churches to help people that want to get married after, you know, as they're making oh, yeah. all sorts of incredible decisions, actually have a wedding and a venue and a pastor to, conduct the wedding along with premarital counseling and it just turns into like you know a whole new chapter um you know going from a you know going from a, an abortion decision to you know through choosing life and into yeah. a yeah into a new family uh, with a new church family to go with it um, and so that's that's been a, that's been an interesting story to follow uh, but that's more of a rarity. I wouldn't say that's the, I haven't heard a lot of stories about that, but that would be, it'd be great if that would become more, more common or more normal to have Amen. that kind of story being shared. Um, but yeah, so it seems like the ultrasound unit is such a key thing, but one of when it comes to like pregnancy clinics, very often they will reach someone very often before they go to the abortion clinic. Like they're trying to reach them while they're searching or considering yeah. abortion but maybe before the sidewalk canceling moments. Yeah. And, and, but, but essentially like when a pregnancy clinic is located on a kind of church campus, very often a woman will do a U-turn when it comes to like not wanting to, you know, go to a church she's not connected with and, or even she is connected to it, you know, very likely maybe not going to ask, you know, I'm looking to get an abortion. Going to a church would be like a, you know, may not be a comfortable place to ask that question. But once she decides to choose life, it very quickly becomes a desired place uh, because churches, you know, churches may not be the place to seek help to do wrong, but once you decide to do right, they're a, an amazing place to seek where, you know, how to, 
you know, figure out how to do what's right. Um, and I think any pricing clinic sort of bridge it sort of bridge that that gap between you know someone who is looking for an abortion and then they can potentially have that 85, 90 percent um, conversion story where someone will then decide to change their mind. Uh, mostly because of the rapport and care building experience through that ultrasound, it, it seems like, and then they can, but, and, and I think a lot of pregnancy clinics need churches to connect with them. I think that's probably one of the things that I've seen is yeah. that um, a church coming alongside a pregnancy clinic and then hoping, you know, and having that desire to care for the single moms and for the, for the orphans and for the young children and for these situations is, um, it's, it's, I think it could turn into like a doorway for a church to receive new people to care on in their communities. Um, yeah. But, and yeah, like, um, like I said, we're, we're, we, um, we are very friendly. The, the care centers um, around here love us because, you know, as people come out and get exposed to this issue, they're like, where can we plug in? And we're like, Hey man, they, there's a, this mobile ultrasound needs a driver, you know, three days a week or, Hey, we help with fundraising. We help. We want to, we want to put logs on the fuel, uh, logs to fuel their fire, so to speak. Um, yeah. so yeah, we definitely, we, we definitely have good relationships with them. I would say, you know, primarily for us, we're trying to catch people. We're trying to change the culture in the church first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so that churches will, pastors will speak about it. Congregants will know what to do and what not to do if they find themselves or they know someone who finds himself in an unwanted pregnancy. And then we're the last line of defense, you know, for people that aren't going to show up to a care center. They're going to show up here. And many of those people, you know, there are some who are proud over their abortion and so on and so forth. But what we found is, is man, there's a lot of women who were looking for help, who, who even as they came here with tears in their eyes, they didn't want to be here. Maybe their family members, their, their boyfriend, maybe in some cases, their pimp was telling them, you go do this. And I'm not, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to support you unless you do this. And when they hear us outside pleading with them that we will help them, we are here uh, for them. It's just that it just encourages them, gives them courage to choose life. And that also applies to the dads too. We call the dads to um, to be men who will protect their family, protect their child. So uh, we, we, we have to work together. I mean, we need it all. We need all the different ministries working together under the banner of Jesus. You know, I often feel like um, the pro-life world seems to, have, you know, like the, the body of the pro-life work seems to reflect the body of Christ when it comes to like different parts working together. We have a common mission and goal of essentially of honoring you know, the image bearers who are being attacked by the devil, essentially at the very moment of life, they're being threatened with, um, with assault and, uh, and death. And, and I think this body, you know, the church body, the, the body of Christ, um, really, you know, working together, we're able to essentially live for Jesus in a, in a creative and beautiful way, bringing hope to those who are found in the darkness and so i think there's yeah. a lot of room to yeah try, like you said um it's only dark there because the light hasn't been there yet or the light hasn't uh overcome the darkness and that's why there's still darkness in certain spots and so that's that's a beautiful thing to consider amen awesome well i think this was a pretty good podcast that might be the i might cue <laughs> the music there and uh 
Hey, I, I appreciate your time. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and it's, and it's good that out of curiosity, do you have any, um, uh, cities in Florida? I was wondering if you had any love life cities that you're working in, in the Florida area. Yeah, we, uh, currently one of our best cities actually is in Port Lauderdale. Okay. Um, so South Florida, we call it SoFlo. They, um, they started the right way. Um, there was a guy named Mark Douglas who was actually friends with our founder, Justin. And he was also a business owner. And so he rallied his friends using his, uh, his network and his net worth. And they hired people and put them in the right places. And they're just blowing up. Um, they're, they're doing a very good job of staying organized and expanding from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. And, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other cities over that way. It'd be fun to live so, there. So yeah, and my... In Miami, there's a, a clinic we work with, um, Heartbeat of Miami's, or they and their the the Princeton clinics are called like Princeton Health Medical Clinics, and they have four locations. And Martha Avia is their their director. And whenever I talk to her, I always think like she reflects the heart the heart of God when it comes to yeah. like her passion cool. for women and reaching out and and she runs her you know four locations off of a well. A relatively small budget because of the amount of work that they're doing but yeah per capita i believe there's more abortions in that miami area than anywhere else in the country and and martha is just yeah it's an amazing work of being in a hostile territory and just and the amount of people that they have saved is just phenomenal like i think over the lifespan of their clinic being in existence there i i i think the number was like forty thousand saves it, awesome. it's like it's it's just that the quantity that the number of people in that area that are seeking abortions is it's insane. unlike unlike other areas of the country and yeah, i would say i'm oh, sorry oh well one of the things i wanted to point out was that yeah it'd be really beautiful if, if there was like a way for for the church to um for, for more churches to support at least martha's clinic because i know that heartbeat of miami is um they're constantly sort of running on fumes, but they're doing so much work. Like they need more volunteers connect us. More, and more, they need more fuel. <laughs> I would be, um, I would be super surprised if our guys already didn't have a relationship down there. Cause one of our guys, they might. Tom, yeah. Tom Walker, he's been, do, he's been doing this stuff for like 20, 30 years. He knows everybody. Everybody knows Tom. And uh, I would be very surprised. Actually, I think I've heard her name before uh, when I was down there. I'm pretty sure. I've heard Tom yeah. mention it, but I'll, I'll, I'll send you an email because I know that yeah, she's, um, uh, when it comes to, honestly, though, in every market, wouldn't it be awesome if the churches would find, you know, make resources available in their church? And that's awesome. But then also connect with existing ministries that have the same mission in order right. to, you know, as an opportunity to volunteer, as an opportunity to obey God if, they, if they're called to give, and whether it be with money, time, you know, other creative ideas, because there's no, you know, there's no shortage of creativity when it comes to Christian work. Uh, and we can, we can, we can get involved in a variety of ways, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of being a voice for the, for the group that's doing really good work in a variety of ways. So, but all that to say is, I think it'd be really cool because I know that a lot of clinics, well, some clinics are doing well, but then some clinics are essentially like, I don't know how they do it, but they're, you know, they're doing God's work on without, without having like the support that, some, you know, that some have. And so, and I know Martha's group is one of those that are doing just like unbelievable work without having like the unbelievable financial backing. So it all makes, yeah. it's just, it's amazing that 
um, how much they get done with such, you know, you know, essentially on a smaller budget. <laughs> It'd be yeah, really I mean, cool to see that that grow because she's got a lot of kind of in our story yeah. too, man. Okay, honestly, but the Lord's just continuing to bless us and people coming out of nowhere and you know excited about what we're doing. But we, I would love to connect with her, um, you know, and I'd love to hear more about you know you and I don't know a lot about your podcast and anything yeah, you know, any ways free. that I can help be a to be a blessing and connect you with people we know and whatnot well and I I would just love to see the the church being more connected like, I love the fact that you're trying to take church bodies and connect them with the reality of this work you know essentially um allowing them to serve Jesus by essentially taking false beliefs and replacing them with truth. Like that's, I feel like that's like the summary is that we're trying to take these false beliefs yeah. that like, I, like I that. have no other, I have no other choice than to get an abortion because I have to go to school or I have no other choice because my mom and parents or boyfriend said, get the abortion and I'm being coerced. Um, I have no other choice because I'm not ready yet. And really, you know, that's a really easy false belief that we can all hear that tape playing. Like I'm not ready yet, but in reality, you know, God will provide and life is precious and it reflects the image of God. And so, you know, and, 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 and also the reality is, is that someone's already a parent when they're thinking, you know, should I be a parent? But the reality is, is that parenthood started at conception. It didn't, it doesn't start on the birthday. Like the birthday is just a celebration of life. But life began, you know, nine months earlier or several months earlier. Yeah, amen. We're just we're, we're just having a party. You have a yeah. birthday. That's a party yeah. day. That's not that's not when life begins. That's right. <laughs> we're just so there well, to actually, sing happy That's what I told my kids was I celebrate my birthdays in January, but I say okay. actually I was actually conceived or conceived in probably April. <laughs> so I'm going to celebrate <laughs> April and January. Yeah, it's just that talking about your parents. Conceiving you is a little more awkward than talking about a birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the truth is, is you know, we don't know exactly what night it was or what day. And and so birthdays yeah, are very just, are definite. Just, but just we, roundabout. We, just roundabout. Oh, but ballparking safe. Yeah, you can definitely say it was eight-ish <laughs> months earlier. That's a that's a safe approximation approximation. Uh but yeah. Hey, um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I think I might include this last bit and I'll add the music there. Sure, sure. But um, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate you and the work you're doing and just that you're yeah, bringing, yeah, bringing churches into this space, which is, which is really good. I mean, there's so much room to serve God in this space. And I feel like yeah. Amen. loving on the innocent is, and especially loving on single moms and loving on uh, orphans is... The calling that we have as church bodies um, is to love on these groups who are are being targeted by big corporate marketing and yeah. and um, just some yeah major false beliefs. There's no shortage of false beliefs targeting right. these groups. It's insane. That's right. Yeah. Well, we have the truth, and so <laughs> we can't expect people who are in darkness to you know look for light, you know. But yeah, we bring the light to them. True. And we expose those false beliefs. We expose the deeds of darkness, and the church is waking up, man. We we're seeing it happen. Uh, we you know we partnered, and you probably have experience with talking to people who've been in this fight for a long time. And the stuff we're seeing happen at the the pace it's happening, it's it's stuff they never thought would happen. 
I mean, the, 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 it's we're in a historic time. The church we is are. being activated. Like we are in some, it's perilous days. Obviously, there's some some wicked agendas that are, you know, uh, being perpetuated yeah. all throughout our country and really the world. Uh, but the Church of Jesus Christ is is alive and well, and we are active, and uh, it's encouraging to be a part of. So for me, it's just like, hey, do I want to sit on the sidelines and watch everyone else run the race? No, man. Like it's, I want to help. I want to help others. I want, we're trying to get them from the pews to the sidewalks to just, you know, let the Bible become full color. Like they get yeah. to experience life in Christ. They get to experience discipleship. They get to see babies be saved and churches be activated. And, and uh, it's like, why would you want to do anything else? You know, yeah, Netflix and, and is not going to, eight hours of Netflix is not going to produce uh, any kind of real fruit in your life, you know, but yeah. standing out and and praying and interceding and we see it all the time man babies are babies are getting saved mamas and daddies are getting saved and uh you know count me in yeah and saving someone you know ha having breath is is wonderful but then you know knowing jesus you know it completes it like there's there, right. you know having breath is not enough it's a matter of having the breath of life or having Jesus in your life. And cause you know, but you, yeah, it's just, it's a two part recipe. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have both uh, for it right. to be complete. You really? 